Well, good evening. Good to see everybody here tonight. Glad to have those of you on Facebook and on Twitter there at HBC Tullahoma, on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, retweet on Twitter. Give us the thumbs ups, uh, share, and uh, that's, as we said this morning, that's another opportunity that you have uh, to invite people to join our services. Uh, so be sure to do that. Even if you're here in person, you can flip over and do that real quickly. And also don't forget our phone live streaming. If you need that number, call our church office at 931-455-0645. We'll be glad to give you that number uh, so that you can access that. And so welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming also. Uh, if you have access to the internet there, though, we encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com to our website. Uh, under the info tab is where you'll find the bulletin for today, for this week. Uh, a lot of upcoming events that are happening soon. Uh, so I want to encourage you to get a copy of that. If you're here in person, be sure to grab one before you leave. Also, we have the children's worship bulletins under that same info tab link there, as well as the prayer list. If you need these in person printed, they're in the windowsill over to my right. And then while you're there on the church website, also go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. Uh, you can do your online giving. If you're here in person, you can do those in the offering envelopes and place it in the offering plates. Thank you this morning uh, if you gave towards that the, uh, um, the offering there uh, to help with benevolence needs. Uh, we really appreciate that, and uh, that will go to forward to continuing uh, that ministry and that work. So thank you. If you didn't give to that and you still want to give to that, uh, you can do that either in the offering envelope by marking that's what you want when you put your offering uh, in the plate. You can do that also online when you're giving your online giving there. As well as you can also give to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions uh, there. So I encourage you to take the time to do that if you've not done that yet, uh, helping us to reach our goal of 5000 uh, for the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. Uh, it helps with a tremendous amount of different uh, ministries with new church starts, uh, cooperative, the, the uh, compassion ministries, uh, the associational ministries, the BCM, Baptist Collegiate Ministries, uh, Disaster Relief that we watched the video uh, this morning from. Lots of different things there with evangelism and sharing the gospel across the state. So I encourage you to take the time, watch some of those videos we have on our Facebook page, and then also uh, be praying about what to give towards that offering. So we're glad to have you here tonight. Glad to have you joining. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn. Turn your hymnals to 447, Trust and Obey, and we're going to sing the first, second, and fourth verse. Trust and Obey. Trust and 
so much Mike thank you miss Pat take your Bibles if you will and we're gonna pick up right where pretty much where we left off uh, this morning except for in the next chapter uh, we're gonna be in John chapter 9 if you notice your bulletins this is the title uh, for this morning's message uh, that was on the front of the bulletin but it's John chapter 9 verses 1 through verse 41 uh, we're not gonna read all those verses and I don't know if I even have all of these first verses in order that we're going to look at, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 uh, so that Tommy can kind of look through. I know they're there. I just don't know if they're all in the order right there. Uh, but we're going to begin here just to kind of give us that insight into what's going on uh, in this passage so that uh, as you uh, look at this, you'll be able to see and, and kind of get a grasp of what we're talking about with the message that I've entitled, I Saw the Light. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. John chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 1 down through verse 7. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him? We must work the works of him... <laughs> Sorry, Jesus said, it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva, and he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you will use this word in our hearts to help us, Lord, that if we don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, maybe we're even watching online and we've never trusted by faith in him, uh, Lord, may you bring the light of your truth into our lives and may we see that light of truth in the gospel message and may we see the light and trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. But Father, I pray for those of us who are believers uh, because so often, Lord, we ha have found ourselves straying away from uh, that personal relationship with you that we know we ought to have that we once had when we were on fire for you we were uh, we had a passion in our bones for you 
And Father, somewhere along the way, uh, we have lost our focus and, and the fire that once was burning blazing hot uh, has become just a few embers. And so Lord, I pray that you would, you would shine the light of your truth into our hearts and into our lives. And may we truly see the light tonight also in this passage. And may we be rekindled in that fire and that passion uh, that you once had for us and gave to us. And Father, I pray that we'll be faithful in the days that you have left for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Now to those who know country music, one of the all-time great legends was Hank Williams. And you remember that he wrote that song entitled, I Saw the Light. And it has lyrics that go like this. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. You know, even though Hank Williams wrote those words over 70 years ago, it could have been written and sung 2,000 years ago by a man who we don't even know what his name is, uh, but whose life that we would never forget because of this passage. This is a story of a man who was born blind. From the time human hands pulled him from his mother's womb, he entered into a world that was covered in darkness, uh, that, had, that had been pulled over the light of the sun. But all of that changed in an instant when this man met this man named Jesus. You know, when we meet the son, the S-O-N, when he met the son, he saw the S-U-N, the sun. Uh, when we meet the Lord, we see uh, the light uh, of his presence. And this man, when he met the Lord, he saw the light. In fact, the miracle is really a physical illustration of a spiritual truth. Uh, that's spoken in verse 5. Remember back verse 5? Read that verse with me again. It says, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So here's this man who's born blind, but we learn that he doesn't die blind. He was born in darkness, but he's born again in light. Uh, he was born where he couldn't see, but he was born again uh, that he might see. And, and so the question we need to answer uh, is, have we seen the light? Have you seen the light? And if you have, are you shining that light to others? And we're going to see our responsibility as believers as it comes to the light also. The first thing I want you to see tonight from this passage is the misery of a sightless man. The misery of a sightless man. So before we can really begin to understand the meaning of the miracle, uh, we have to examine the man in the miracle. Uh, for us to see this blind man is a picture of every person uh, who has yet to come to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to understand uh, the, the truths behind this man and what was going on. So what was it that made this man so miserable? Well, one of the things we see is his blindness. We see his blindness as verse 1 tells us there. As he passed by, as Jesus passed by, he sees a man blind from birth. So this was a man who was blind. Now understand this, just like that, spiritually, without Jesus, every person is blind. Uh, in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom 
of God. So a person without Jesus is living in darkness. Why is that? Well, the answer is found in John chapter 1, verse 4. John chapter 1, verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So you see, in the Lord Jesus there is life, and in that life there is light. And so when God, you think about it, when God created Adam, God not only lived with Adam, he came to live in Adam. But when Adam sinned, that separated him and Eve from God. Uh, and God, he, he left the garden and he moved out of, of Adam. Then uh, when, when the Lord went out, in essence what you see for Adam is the life went out. And, and now he was subject to die. And, and when the life went out, the light went out. Because all darkness is, is simply the absence of light. And so ever since that fateful day in, in the Garden of Eden, we have lived in a spiritual darkness. Understand this, did you know that you can have perfect, perfect 20-20 uh, vision, uh, but as, as spiritually blind as a bat? Did you know that not only you, do you have eyes in your head, now there's some moms who have eyes in the back of their head, <laughs> you knew some of those, <laughs> but did you know that you not only have eyes in your head, but you also have eyes in your heart? Because here's what Paul said in the book of Ephesians. He said, I pray that having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So the problem with people who don't believe in God is that they don't understand that you don't see God with the eyes in your head. You see God with the eyes in your heart. Uh, Augustine St. Augustine was once approached by a, a lost person, a heathen, who showed him his idol and said, Here is my God, where's yours? And Augustine replied and said, I cannot show you my God, not because there is no God to show you, but because you have no eyes to see him. And so that's what we see first here, is we see his blindness. Not only a physical blindness there, but a picture for us in this passage of a spiritual blindness. We also see his birth. Notice verse 2 and verse 3 again. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So even though Jesus healed blind people uh, on at least five different occasions, this story is unique because it's the only case on record where Jesus heals a congenital disease. In the Greek language, the phrase born blind isn't found anywhere else in the New Testament except about this man. All the others, it doesn't say that they were born blind. They became blind at some point uh, in their life. They had seen, but then they were uh, blind physically. This man had been born blind. He had never seen anything. And, and so what we find is the, immediately here, the Pharisees begin asking, I wonder what this man did to deserve this. You know, that question roams about even today when we see bad things happening to good people. I wonder what that person did to deserve what they're going through. Well, uh, they, they just assumed that a physical handicap was a sign of God's spiritual displeasure. And so these Pharisees, they thought uh, there must be something wrong with this man or 
there must be something wrong with his parents, that he was born blind, that he had this congenital disease. And, and, but you see, his condition was simply the result of his birth. Sometimes we're born into this world with defects. We, we all have some sort of defects as we're born uh, into this world, some more uh, worse than others. But this man, he was, it was just simply the result of his birth. Spiritually, likewise, we, we were sinners spiritually blind from birth. Uh, we're not only sinners by choice. Understand this, we are sinners by nature. David said this in Psalm 51 and verse 5. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so what David is saying there is that, that from the very outset, from the very birth, even the very conception, I was conceived in sin. You see, this man wasn't blind because he couldn't see. He couldn't see because he was blind. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's our, our nature. Uh, we're not born with God and, and then somehow lose God when we sin. We're born without God, and that's why we must be born again. Notice also, thirdly, his begging in verse 8. Going down to verse 8, if you will. So, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? You see, in that day, the only thing that a blind man can do was sit around and beg. He couldn't get up and walk around. I mean, he might fall. He, he would have to have some assistance, some help. He just couldn't get up at his own will and leisure to do whatever. Uh, he would have to beg for help, beg for resources. Uh, there were no laws to protect the handicapped. There was no pension plan for the physically weak. So they were at the mercy of society. They, they really either cannot or will not help themselves. And, and that's the way every person is without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the saddest person in the world isn't the person who's blind and can't see, but it's the person who's blind and thinks they can see, especially when we're talking about that spiritually. So, so you may think, you know, that, that maybe you're a good person. Uh, you can have everything this world has to offer, but without Jesus Christ, your righteousness is like filthy rags before a holy and a righteous God. You may think you're on top of the world, that you've got good health, you've got adequate wealth, you've got a bright future, but without Jesus Christ, you're of all people most miserable. The biggest need we have today is to really see our need. And our biggest problem is we can't see our real problem. Somebody has, has said this, your problem is you don't know what your problem is. You think your problem is your problem, but that's not your problem at all. Your problem isn't your problem, and that's your main problem. It's not the problem that's the problem. It's, it's sin that's the problem. The problem of the human race is that without Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead. We are spiritually darkened and spiritually depraved and spiritually doomed. And our only solution is to see the light. Notice secondly in these verses, we see the ministry of a sovereign master in verse 5 through verse 7 and following. 
So verse 5 said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, notice what Jesus did. He goes over and he, he spits down on the ground. And he reaches and grabs some dirt there that it got into. And he begins to mold it around, shape it around in his hands. And he takes that, and notice what he says. He, he takes that spittle mixed with that mud and with saliva, and, and then he puts it on the man's eyes. He puts it on his eyes and, and covers it with mud. And then he says to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. I love this story. Because here's a man blind from birth who's never seen the light of day. Never seen the rays of the sun shimmering across the sea of Galilee. Never seen a father's smile. Never seen a mother's tear. Never seen the color of a rose. And then he meets Jesus who puts some spit mixed with dirt on his eyes and tells him, go wash in a pool. And all of a sudden, he's got 20-20 vision. You would have thought that everyone would have been happy. You would have thought that, that they would have thrown a big party. Man, I can't believe this is the man that we used to see sitting and begging for people to help. And now he can see. Let's throw a party. Let's celebrate. He once was blind, but now he can see. That wasn't to be so. Notice what happens. He was expelled by the leaders. When this man was healed, you would have expected a celebration... But instead, all he gets is confrontation. In fact, it was the people you thought would be the happiest, the, the religious church-growing going crowd, if you will, uh, who were the ones who cast him out. They did everything they could to get this man to deny that a miracle had taken place and then to deny who had actually performed this miracle. But he wouldn't do either one and so let's just read a few verses here to see uh, what happens here in these verses. And so I, you may have to skip around uh, with me, Tommy, and I'll try to give you verses as we're going through. So verse 9, because they, they had said, is this the man who used to sit and beg in verse 8? Verse 9 says, some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Verse 10, so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? Verse 11, he answered, the man called Jesus, I don't know what he did, but he made some mud and he anointed my eyes and he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? I don't know. I was blind. I couldn't see where he went to. He told me to go to the pool. I didn't see him after that. That's what he's saying there. That's what he's telling us. I don't know. At verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. That was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, there's the problem. It's the Sabbath day. They would be upset with that to start with. So the Pharisees, verse 15, again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, Story hadn't changed. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, 
This man's not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others say, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And so there became this division among them. Verse 17, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. Now we're going to stop right there because we're going to come back to that in a little bit. I want you to skip over to verse 34. Skip on over to verse 34. When, he, when they couldn't get him to deny, he stubbornly stands by his testimony of truth. And then verse 34 says, they answered him, so they begin to tell his testimony, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. In other words, this man was excommunicated from the synagogue. He was cut off from the religious life of his own people. That is, they didn't just throw him out of the building, they threw him out of the church. They threw him out of the synagogue. They threw him out, and even his own parents wouldn't stand by him. Go back to verse 22. His parents said these things. They told him he can speak for himself, but his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anybody should confess Jesus to be the Christ, in other words, to be the Messiah who they had been looking for, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So understand the seriousness of this. When a person was excommunicated, they could no longer, it wasn't just that they couldn't come to the synagogue anymore. They, they couldn't be employed anymore. His family would, would have to disown him. He could never again enter the synagogue, never again enjoy the fellowship of others who believed in the Lord. He couldn't buy, he couldn't sell. Uh, when he died, he, he, was, he wasn't even to be given a funeral. But that leads us to say, when Jesus walks into our life, the world will walk out. As a matter of fact, Jesus won't come in until the world moves out. But when Jesus comes in, the world will move out. Because notice what the Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 4. James tells us and says that God says, You adulterous people, you do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, uh, that's a perplexing statement for us because uh, we get confused with that. Well, I thought I was supposed to be in the world. We are. Uh, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to be impacting this world for Christ's sake. We're to be building friendships with those who are, who are lost that we might share the gospel with them. But when it comes to the point uh, that you, uh, you wish to be a friend of the world as opposed to being uh, a part of the family of God, uh, that's where we have crossed the line. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is being an enemy with God? But you know that, that that's all right because it's better to be cast out by the world and to come out from the world that it is to be condemned with the world in the day of judgment. And, and I'll tell you that Jesus and nothing else is better than all this world has to offer and everything else. So we notice there that this man was expelled by the leaders. But then we see that he was exposed to the light. Notice verse 35 and verse 36. Verse 35 says, Jesus heard 
that they had cast him out. So Jesus was still around the area. Jesus is still probably walking around in the temple courtyards. He hears that this man's been cast out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? So up until this man had seen the S-U-N, he had not seen the S-O-N. Because remember, he went off to the pool. Jesus wasn't with him when he went to the pool. Because that's why they asked, where is he? I don't know where he's at. He told me to go to the pool. I went to the pool. I washed. Now I can see. And so he had never seen Jesus' face. And so he had seen the light from the S-U-N, but he hadn't seen the Lord who is the S-O-N. But when he does, notice verse 38. He said, well, Jesus, let's read verse 37. Jesus says to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Jesus says, I'm the one right here in the flesh who put that mud on your eyes, who told you to go wash in the pool. I am the one who I just asked you about. Do you believe in the Son of Man? I am the Son of Man. And then notice verse 38. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Instantaneously, another miracle happens. Not only has this man gone from darkness to light physically, now we see instantaneously this man goes from being blind spiritually to salvation, from wonder to worship. And so notice the progression of his faith. His neighbors had asked him how the miracle took place. Go back to verse 10 through verse 11. So they said to him, his friends did, how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. So first of all, in those verses, he simply calls Jesus a man. The man called Jesus. Now here he's referring to Jesus as a good man. He's referring to Jesus as a good man and, and because he's, he's healed him. Then the Pharisees come in with their question... And notice his response in verse 17 and verse 18. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he, he had been uh, blind and, so, uh, the, and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So here he refers to him as a great man. He refers to him as a prophet. Now understand this, Jesus isn't just a good man, he's a great man. And you couldn't pay a man a higher compliment in that day than to call him a prophet. Because a prophet was considered someone who was a spokesman for God. But after further questioning by the Pharisees and further reflection and thinking, his opinion begins to go even higher. Notice verse 29 down through verse 31. So, well, verse 28, let's pick up with verse 28 and then go to 29. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Verse 29 says, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And so here he's referring to Jesus as a godly man. So Jesus isn't just a good man, nor even just a great man. He's a godly man, and that's wonderful. But notice he goes even further. Because salvation doesn't come until he recognizes Jesus as the God-man. Notice verse 37 and verse 38 again. Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. I am the son of man. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So understand this. If Jesus isn't the God-man, he's not a good man. He's not a great man. He's not even a godly man if he's not the God-man, God in the flesh. And so you see this man, how he progresses in his faith. First, Jesus is a good man. Then he begins to understand Jesus as a great man. Then he begins to see Jesus as a godly man. And finally, he comes to the realization that Jesus is the God-man. The point is this, this man responded to the first light that he saw. As he responded to the first light, God gave him more light. And that's the meaning of what Luke says in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18, uh, when Jesus said, take care then how you hear, for to one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. You see, what Jesus was saying was this, when God gives you a little light... If you'll respond, he'll give you more light. You know, for those of us who are believers, here's how that works. We want to know what God's will is. And God gives us just a little light. Here's what I want you to do. You know, we talk about his word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's not a, a high beam light that we can turn on and spotlight way across over there and see the deer's eyes way over there. It's not that kind of spotlight that you can see way out there in the future. That's what we want to know. We want to know, Lord, what, what else is going to happen and how do I get to where I need to go? You know, the Lord says right here, just the next steps. Just the next steps, that's it. And, and so... He gives you enough light to take the first steps. Well, that's what happens for this man in his journey towards salvation. He gives him just enough light. And if he responds, he gives him more light. That's what he does for us. But when he gives you a little light, if you reject even that light, he will take away the light you have. That's what he's telling us there in Luke. So when you really boil it down, the difference between a person that's saved and a person that's lost is whether or not they have responded to the light that they have. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 and verse 19 says this, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, not the light in the full strength of the day, but like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And so it's just like learning. Uh, first you learned your ABCs, then you, then you learn to read little easy books, and then you can go on to deeper books. The only thing you need to understand to come to the kingdom of God is, is the bare facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once you respond to the light of the gospel, you'll be given more light to walk deeper in the word of God. Dr. Vance Havner once said that a man is, not, is judged not on the basis of how much sin he commits, but on the basis of how much light he rejects. 
The blind man was saved because he responded to the light. The Pharisees were lost because they rejected the light. They rejected the one who is the light, Jesus. Notice also that he was excited by his life. He was excited by his life. These Pharisees, if you read the whole verses there, you'll find out that they had done everything they could to get this man to deny what had happened, how it had happened, and to whom it, by whom it had happened from. And finally, rather than argue with them, he just gives this testimony. Notice verse 25. They had been questioning him. They've asked him a second time. They said, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. Verse 25, he answers and says, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know. Once I was blind, now I can see. What a testimony. You know, that is one of the most powerful things you have as a believer is your testimony. You, people can't argue with your testimony. They might try to argue with you over Scripture, but, but your testimony of how you came to faith in Christ, they cannot argue with that. They may continue to question. That's what these people were doing. They continued to question. How did you get your sight? How did you become saved? Uh, how do you know you're saved? You know, they may ask you those kinds of questions, but they cannot argue with the validity of your testimony if indeed you truly have that testimony. This man was excited about his testimony, about his life, and, and so after all those questionings, he just finally gives them his testimony. Not even those brilliant religious PhDs could argue with his testimony because a heart full of Jesus is worth a book full of of arguments. And if you know Jesus and your life has been changed, you know enough to bring people to the light of the world. Because we've not been called in our lives to be a prosecuting attorney, we've been called to be his witness. Notice thirdly, I want you to see the message of the supernatural miracle. You know, there's always a reason Jesus does what he does. He didn't do this miracle just to bring sight to this man. That's a part of it. Uh, but we've seen he's brought, uh, made people to see who were blind before. But he has an ulterior motive. He has a purpose, if you will, in what he does here because he wants to teach a truth to his followers and a truth to us. So remember, this entire miracle here is meant to teach us a lesson. The lesson that's found all the way back in verse 5 of this chapter. What did verse 5 say? For as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And what a mighty light he is. Jesus is the shining light. That's what we see in verse 5 there. Notice he's the light of the world. Earlier he had said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, many so-called lights have, have, have burned like Roman candles, up like a rocket, down like a rock, never to be heard from again. But I want to tell you, 2,000 years after he walked this earth, his fire burns hotter and his light shines more brightly than it ever has in human history. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we think so often about how negative things are in our world and how bad things are in our world. Did you know that there are more people being saved today than there has been in any other generation in history? That is awesome. God, the, the light of God's light is shining more brightly than it ever has in human history. 
So Jesus is the shining light. Jesus is also the seeking light. Notice verse 35 again. Verse 35 says, Jesus heard they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now notice, this man didn't go looking to find Jesus. Jesus goes looking to find this man, and Jesus found him. And it's so beautiful for us to notice that when this man has been shut out by sinners, he's been sought out by the Savior. You know what you'll find uh, when, when you find God? You'll find that he was always looking for you all along. You see, salvation always results because God first seeks the sinner, not because the sinner first seeks God. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 16, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus is the seeking light, but he's also the saving light. That's what we see in verse 38 when the man says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Now, don't miss this point here because this blind man didn't receive his sight spiritually just because he was exposed to the light physically. In other words, no amount of light affects blindness. If you have a blind person, you can shine the brightest lights in front of their eyes. They can't see anything there. No light affects blindness. But you can put a blind man in, in broad daylight at 12 o'clock noon, and he'll be just as blind as if he was in the pitch, pitch darkness of the midnight. All the light in the world will never make that man, a blind person, see. The only thing that can do that is a literal miracle. And so this man... He, he's had a miracle physically. He could see physically because Jesus had opened his eyes in his head. But now, when he comes to verse 38, he, he can see spiritually because Jesus has opened the eyes of his heart. When Paul came to the church at Philippi to preach the gospel, you remember there was a lady by the name of Lydia. She was the, she was the one who made things out of purple. She, she worshiped God in her head but she didn't know God in her heart. Do you know how she was saved? The Bible says this in Acts 16 and verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention or to see what was said by Paul. And so truly, when we come to faith in Christ, we can say, once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Notice also that Jesus is the shunned. Light, Because go on to verse 40 now. Verse 40 says this. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now, you know, there are actually four different players in this drama. There were the people, that is his neighbors. There were his parents. There are the Pharisees. And then there's the person, this man, who was healed. But all of these group, out of all those groups, there was only one who was saved. And that was the man who was born blind. And Jesus uses that to illustra illustrate this truth that you see back in verse 39. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world... 
that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So to understand the reason Jesus came, uh, the reason he came was to save, but the result of his coming was also judgment on those who will not believe. The, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same gospel that it is that is preached that brings some people to the light of salvation drives other people deeper into darkness. That explains verse 40 and verse 41. Because these Pharisees, they had seen the miracles Jesus performed. They had heard the message Jesus had preached, but they still refused to believe. No one will ever see until they first admit they're blind. And these people didn't want to admit they were blind. That's why they said, are you saying we're blind? Because we're not blind. We can see the truth. We know who you are. That's what they were saying. But know this, just as light obeyed increases light, light refused increases darkness. But no one is as blind as the person who cannot see but claims that he can see. These people claimed they could see, but they were spiritually blind. Every time you think about the Pharisees, we're reminded of what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 19, where he said, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world. Did you catch that first part? And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You see, no one is in darkness because they cannot come to the light. It's because they will not come to the light. They love the darkness rather than they love the light because their works are evil. Uh, I heard this story of a man who used, a, used to pilot a small plane and one night one of his passengers uh, asked him, he said, what would you do if your, if your engine suddenly quit? And the pilot, he smiled and he said, well, I'd glide as far as I could. And then as I got near the ground, I'd turn on the lights. And the passenger said, well, then what would you do? The pilot said, well, if I didn't like what I saw, I'd turn the lights off. <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people do. They don't like what they see. They're exposed to the light of the truth of God's Word, and when they don't like what they see, they just turn it off, they tune it out. So understand something today. No blind person should be blamed because he cannot see, but no blind person should be pitied because he will not see. When you share the gospel with someone, that's lost. And if for whatever reason that person refuses to be saved and they die and spend an eternity in hell from God, one thing they cannot do and we should not do is blame God. They had an opportunity to see. Last point. Jesus is the shared light. I want you to go all the way back to verse 4 in chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 4. Notice what it says there. Jesus answered in, in verse 3. He said, it's not this man that sinned or his parents, but the works of the God that might be displayed in him. Verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. 
Now, uh, the best manuscripts in verse 4 there use the pronoun we, uh, not the pronoun I. The verse really reads this way. We must work the works of him who sent us while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Go over to verse 25. Verse 25, he answered them. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I can see. So what did this man do? He gave testimony to the physical miracle. But we need to give testimony to the spiritual miracle. So at that point, he wasn't giving testimony of a spiritual miracle. He was just giving the testimony of the physical miracle. I can see now. But what we ought to be doing as believers is giving testimony of the spiritual miracle. You see, this miracle isn't just to tell us what Jesus did then. It's to tell us what Jesus wants to do through us now. And so just like Jesus opened this man's eyes and turned him from the darkness to the light, we today are to be sharing the light of the world, bringing people in from the spiritual darkness. After God calls Paul... Uh, to see the light on the road to Damascus. He told Paul he was going to send him to the Gentiles. And here's what he told him in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, in Paul's testimony. He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Every word we say, every song we sing, every deed we do is to be so that people might see the light. And I pray that the words of that song that Hank Williams wrote would be your testimony. That it would be your testimony today if you don't have that testimony. That it would be your testimony that you would share with the world. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claim for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have tread the wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in night. No, I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. That's what I pray that you can praise the Lord. That once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful passage. And what a wonderful truth for us tonight. Whether we're here tonight or watching online. And if we're a believer, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful sharing the light with the world of darkness around us. Taking the light that we've received 
just the simple truths of the gospel. Not having to, to give some eloquent dissertation uh, about theology in the Bible, but just to simply give the gospel message that we were born into sin and there was no thing, nothing, uh, no remedy, nothing we could do for ourselves to rescue us. God loved us and sent his son Jesus to down a cross for our sin. He lived that perfect sinless life that he might be the perfect sacrifice. He died on that cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose on the third day. And I've given my heart, and I've given my life to Jesus, and I've surrendered and asked him to come into my life and to save me and to help me to live for him all the days of my life. Lord, may that be our testimony, and may we simply share that simple light of the truth, and may it penetrate the darkness around us. Lord, I pray especially for those who are like this blind man was physically, who are blind spiritually. Father, they've never seen the light of the truth until now. And Lord, I pray that they would not reject the one who can open their eyes spiritually to help them to see, but that they would simply pray that same thing in their heart and that they would ask Christ into their life and they would surrender to him, asking him to save them and to help them to live for him all the days of their life. Lord, I pray that your word will go forth. And Lord, that we as believers will take the light of the truth that you give us, that we would walk faithfully in that, doing your will, being in the center of your will. And as we do that, may you give us more light for the journey ahead. Father, help us to take those steps of faith and to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And as the Lord's laid on your heart, would you come tonight? If you're there online, please comment in the comments and, or call us at the church office. We'd love to talk to you uh, more about your salvation. So much for joining us. Thank you for being here in person. Thank you for those who joined us there online. Uh, we'll be back this coming Wednesday. Uh, we'll be back in the book of Revelation, so come and join us online there. Come and join us in person. Uh, if you have kids, we have a WANA uh, that's going strongly right now. I encourage you to come for that. That begins at 5 30 uh, on Wednesday evening. So we look forward to seeing you. You have a blessed week. You take care and stay safe.